we almost didn't have Christmas. I mean, we were this close to not having Christmas. No Advent. No Advent calendar. No Advent candles, two of which have gone out now. No Feliz Navidad. No simply having a wonderful Christmas time. You know you love that song. And no Christmas carols, no silent night, no joy to the world, no away in a manger. We almost didn't have Christmas. And what threatened baby Jesus on that first Christmas morning was far more menacing than anything Hollywood can come up with. We almost had no Christmas trees, no presents, no decorated houses, no Rudolph, no Christmas turkey, No turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup. Gone, all gone. It was almost all gone. No, Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. And all the other Christmas movies that, those sweet gifts that God in his common grace gives us to enjoy. No deep theology in Christmas songs like the words in Isaac Watts' hymn which gives us hope. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We almost didn't get joy to the world. We were this close to not having Christmas. Why? Here's the answer. Because a great, big, menacing red dragon showed up at the hospital the night Jesus was born. The very first visitor to the hospital to see baby Jesus was not the three wise men. It was the devil himself. Wow. I mean, picture that. Picture a gigantic red dragon showing up at the hospital and asking, what room is the baby Messiah in? We read about it in the book of Revelation, so turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. By the way, what kind of pastor turns to the book of Revelation on Christmas morning? This guy. Why? Because there's a picture here that we see of baby Jesus on that first Christmas morning. Now, of course, what the Apostle John tells us in Revelation chapter 12 is apocalyptic imagery. So there's obviously a lot of symbolism here in this passage. So keep that in mind as we read. Our big idea today is this. How do you spell Christmas? You spell it I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, Emmanuel. Christmas is all about God with us, Emmanuel. That's what the Hebrew word Emmanuel means, Im-Anu-El, God with us. And God was with baby Jesus on that first Christmas morning because in Revelation 12, we see a great big red dragon who's craving baby on that first Christmas morning. That first Christmas morning, that great red dragon was like, I'm craving baby today. And John wants us to know that the devil tried to kill baby Jesus on that first Christmas morning even before the doctors had a chance to weigh him or see how long he was. Okay, Revelation 12. Again, this is apocalyptic literature. There's a lot of symbolism here at play. Revelation 12, look at verse 1 and hear the word of the Lord. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun 
with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She, this is Mary, Jesus' mother, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. So imagine one of the first visitors at the hospital to see Jesus was a seven-headed, ten-horned dragon. A great, big, fire-breathing, red, menacing dragon. So it wasn't we three kings of Orient are, but we seven heads of Satan are bearing an appetite and we traverse afar. The devil himself showed up hungry, ready to devour baby Jesus. John is telling us that Satan tried with all his might to kill baby Jesus so that Jesus couldn't do what he came to do, which was to save sinners, to save us. And that's why he came, to save sinners. Matthew tells us this in his gospel in Matthew 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So think about that. God sent a baby, a fragile little human being, who was both God and man, and those two natures were united together in one person, but united together still in a baby. Jesus arrived on the scene as a fetus. He grew and kicked and squirmed in Mary's belly, and then he was born. And before the doctor could say, congratulations, mom, it's a boy. Before the doctor could even say those words, a hate-filled, seven-headed dragon was waiting to eat him up. So right as Mary pushes baby Jesus out, and he's all covered with afterbirth, even before they wrap him up in swaddling cloths, the war began. Yes, the war began on that first Christmas morning, and it was a baby versus a great, big, red, scary dragon. A fight for the ages, a fight for eternity, a fight for me, a fight for you. And that's one reason Jesus came, to go to war with that dragon, to battle Satan, to crush his head, to defeat him, to render him powerless, and to win us back. Remember the promises in Genesis 3 to Eve, to Adam and Eve, as one of your descendants will come. He will crush the head of the snake, the serpent, the devil, and he will bruise his heel. And right after Mary gave birth, John tells us that that old dragon, Satan, was right there waiting to snatch up that baby as he nursed his mama for the first time. I mean, think about that. Picture Mary nursing her hours-old son, and there's a fire-breathing dragon outside, licking his lips as he peers through the window. A baby versus a dragon. It doesn't seem like a fair fight, but we know the whole story now about how God preserved and protected his son Jesus throughout his entire life so that he could save us from our sins and save us from the coming wrath of God. 
And that's why Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, because Jesus means Yahweh saves or God saves. And what does God save us from? From his wrath and from our sins, the punishment for our sins, the sins we did today when we fought with our brother or sister this week or when we got mad at someone in the grocery store, when we complained that the grocery store was out of the item that we waited until the last minute to buy. And we're mad at them. Jesus came to save us from all the sins that we committed in 2022. Which, if you're like me, I reckon was a lot. Don't lie today and think, "Mm, I didn't have that many sins in 2022. I mean, it's never a good idea to lie in church, but if you're going to lie on Christmas morning, that's pushing it. Matthew also quotes the prophet Isaiah here and tells us that Jesus draws near to us. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That should stagger us. We're just so familiar with the gospel story, so familiar with the Bible, that we're not awestruck by that truth that God comes to us. God, who is holy and pure, without sin, who is infinitely glorious, he draws near to people like us, people who get mad when they go to the grocery store. I got mad when I went to the grocery store this week. I was in the 15 items or less lane, and I looked ahead, and there was someone who had more than 15 items, because I counted them. And I was like, the nerve of you. And so, and I was in this long line, And I saw the other line that was a little bit shorter, and I thought, I should make my move now. But then I saw a lot of people who had more things in their baskets, too, and I thought, no. Every time I move, this lane goes fast. So I was like, this is time I'm not going to do that, which is what I'd normally do. I was like, I'm going to stay in the long line. And then I just watched people keep coming and going, and I was barely moving, and I was like, oh, are you serious? God wants to be with someone like me who gets frustrated in the 15 items or less aisle at the grocery store. Maybe it's crushing to you know that your pastor gets frustrated like that. Maybe we'll never see you here again. (laughs) Every pastor gets frustrated like that at the grocery store. God comes to people like us who get mad about trivial things like that. God drawing near to sinners is the essence of Christianity. That's what Christmas is all about. So how do you spell Christmas? You spell it I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. Emmanuel, that's how you spell Christmas. God with us. Christmas is just God saying to us, and hear these words. This is what God says to us. I just can't get close enough to y'all. I want to be near you and have you be near me. Jack Miller said, to be near God and to have God near us is the whole purpose of human life. But without repentance, there can be no face-to-face fellowship with the Father. The Lord cannot resist the broken heart that has experienced true repentance. He will not, he cannot stay away from repentant sinners. This Holy Father sees humanity in all its nastiness and yet is given to strange, tender excesses. His love explodes into joyous action whenever a convicted sinner turns toward home. And so Christmas 
is about Jesus coming near to us and sabotaging the illusion of our self-righteousness because we're really not that good, are we? And he takes on the guilt of our sin, which is so heavy, and he shatters the power of all the things that cause us shame. Christmas is God saying to us, look at what I've done to come near to you. I sent my son. Now draw near to me. I want to be your friend. I was struck this week by a line in O Holy Night, which we just sang. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be our friend. Born to be our friend? The holy God of the universe wants to be my friend? He wants to be friends with us. How precious is that? And now think about how wild and out of this world God is. And I just love this about our God. I love the way God thinks outside the box. I love how he thinks outside the world. This is how out of this world our God is. All our fears and all the things that terrorize us are calmed by a baby. God's answer to our fears is the little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. Wow, I mean, how awesome is our God? God says, are you scared? Do you feel terrorized? Are you, are you fearful? Here you go, have a baby. Can you get more humble than that? A baby in diapers, sucking on a pacifier? Can you get any weaker than a sleeping baby. That's the frailest, most vulnerable thing in the world, unless you're the God baby. So Christmas actually reveals to us that God is the most humble person in the universe. Maybe the past few years are just teaching us that this world is so miserable, so broken, so lost, that our only hope is a baby. The humble coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's beloved son, the baby in the manger. I mean, who knew a humble baby could beat a great, big, red, seven-headed, fire-breathing dragon? Who knew that a humble baby could save prideful, self-righteous sinners like us? Ray Ortland said, God's answer to everything that has ever terrorized us is a child. It's crazy. God's answer to all of our fears is a baby. And by collapsing and falling down before this baby, you worship him and you honor him. To fall down before Jesus and admit your need is to fall down before the baby in the manger in worship. How do you worship like the wise men? Not by bringing gifts. Jesus doesn't need Christmas gifts. Did you notice that this year Jesus never sent you a Christmas list? Here's what I want you to get me. Jesus doesn't have a Christmas list. He doesn't need gifts from us. He has no needs. He is a God of no needs. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anything. So you worship him, not by bringing him gifts, not by trying to do things for him, not by trying to be good enough. I've got to be good enough. Got to pray more, got to read my Bible more, got to serve more, give more. 
He doesn't need anything from us. You worship him by simply bringing your heart, by coming with the empty hands of faith and saying, I need you. I need the babe in the straw to save me. I need a baby to help me with all the fears and worries that are terrorizing my heart. That's how you honor Jesus. You fall before him. You fall on your knees and you tell him that you need him. You just collapse into his arms. That's worship. And that's what we should do today. Worship, wonder, treasure, ponder, glorify, praise. So don't just have yourself a merry little Christmas because there is nothing little about God coming down to save us. Instead, have yourself a merry, magnificent Christmas this year because that sweet baby in the manger grew up to become a man and he defeated that dragon on the cross. He rose from the dead with a dead snake in his hand. He rose from the dead with a dead snake in his hand. He slayed that talking snake of Genesis 3 fame. Remember how this story started? A talking snake showed up in the Garden of Eden and started asking Adam and Eve questions. That's how, that's how it all started. Adam and Eve are doing their thing, enjoying fruit, whatever they're doing, and a talking snake showed up and started asking questions, and everything changed after that. Adam should have protected his girl that day. He should have protected Eve. He should have protected his wife. Adam should have killed the snake right there on the spot that day. When he heard that snake say, did God really say? He should have grabbed it by its throat and strangled it. But he didn't. And that's why this world is broken. And that's why we're all sinners. It's why you are a sinner. Because Adam has passed his sin DNA onto you. He's passed his sin genes down to you. Pass them down to me. And so in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve rebel against God and sin, it seems like this fairy tale turns into a horror movie. In fact, the whole Bible reads like that. Is the promised snake crusher ever going to come? Is one of Eve's descendants ever going to come and finally kill that snake? Even Jesus' birth seems like a horror movie, right? There's a seven-headed, ten-horned dragon waiting to eat up a baby. That sounds like a horror movie. Not a fairy tale. Or is it? Unlike Adam, Jesus came and killed the dragon. He killed that snake, the devil himself in order to get the girl. He killed the dragon by dying himself. Certainly his death on the cross was a dark moment, but God is always at work behind the scenes. I mean, Jesus is alive. We've got to celebrate Easter on Christmas, don't we? Jesus is alive. God raised him from the dead. It looked dark when he died, but God was working. It's looked dark many times in the Bible, but in the end, our hero comes, he kills the dragon and gets the girl. Our hero Jesus came and killed, as Revelation 12, 9 says, he killed the great dragon, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. And he gets the girl, his bride, the church. So this is what the Bible is all about. God authors this fairy tale and then he comes as a character in his own story to kill the dragon and get the girl. That was the plan from the very beginning. Here's the plan. Slay the dragon, get the girl, 
and then live happily ever after. That's the gospel. God with us, Emmanuel forever. Charles Spurgeon said, God with us. This is hell's terror, the sufferer's comfort, eternity's sonnet, heaven's hallelujah, the shout of the glorified. So how do you spell Christmas? You spell it I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. God with us. God with us forever. Christmas forever. Christmas morning forever. Can you imagine that? My kids were so excited this morning. Man, the joy on, the, on their faces. When they ripped the paper and see it's like, ah, it's the best. They're jumping up and down. They're screaming. Can you imagine that forever? That's heaven on the new earth. It's like a, the, the joy of a wedding celebration, a birthday, Christmas morning, a reunion with, with loved ones you haven't seen. All It's, it's the three-point uh, shot at the buzzer to win uh, the championship. It's all of those things and feelings every day, all the time. Can you imagine? People think heaven's boring. Are you kidding? It's Christmas morning every single day. We weren't expecting it, though, were we? And we weren't even interested at all. We weren't involved. We didn't ask. We didn't deserve. We didn't help. We didn't even imagine. And yet, out of nowhere, God burst onto the scene with these words from Isaiah 9-6. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It's a gift. God made the first move. And his move towards us is an invitation. Christmas is God sending an invitation to you and to me, to us, that says, you are cordially invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will celebrate the king's love for his bride and how he slayed the dragon while we party like we've never partied before. Don't forget to RSVP. Have you RSVP'd yet? Have you come to Jesus and said, I need you, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. I'm eternally lost without you. I deserve to be punished forever in hell because I'm a sinner, but I'll take your free gift. I mean, that's, it's a gift, it's free. None of my kids this morning woke up and said, Dad, I have to pay you back. We gotta pay mom back. We gotta pay you back for what you've done. It's too much. We don't do that. You just receive a gift. And God has given you a son and said, here's the free gift. You want it, it's free, take it. I'm not asking anything of you to just come. Quit living for you and just come. Christmas is an invitation to come, to come as you are, to come as the sinner that you are, and to come to this great celebration where we will celebrate how our king rescued us from the clutches of the red fire-breathing dragon, and it will be a party. We read about it in the Bible. Jesus talks about the, the wedding celebration wedding supper of the lamb, of Jesus and his bride. It's going to be a celebration. We're going to be at these tables just saying, yes, he defeated the dragon. It was so cool. Did you see it? Yes. And this is how I picture it. I'm at the table surrounded by friends and family, and this hand comes over my shoulder and refills my sweet tea because that's what I'm going to drink at the wedding supper of the lamb. Brisket, sweet tea. And I'm going to see this hand, a waiter, reach over and refill my sweet tea. And I'm going to look up. And it's Jesus. He tells us that in John's gospel, that he will serve us at the wedding supper of the Lamb. How humble. 
but humility. The king who slayed the dragon is the one and who is the waiter. He's the one going around, can I get you something more? Can I get you something more? We're the ones celebrating and taking it. Not because there's anything good in and of ourselves. We're sinners. But he set his affection upon us, so we're special. And he says, I am going to serve you. Even in eternity at the wedding supper of the Lamb, I will come by and say, would you like some more sweet tea? And then we'll go back to the, to just the, the joy. I kind of picture like the, the hobbits. Who's the long, the big beard? He's like, Rah! what's his name? I can't remember. You Lord of the Rings people know. The short dwarf with the big beard. Uh, what's his name? I can't hear what you said, but I'll believe you. <laughs> Grimly, Gormly, Gimli, that's it. Something, thank you. Just, I picture it's just like, yes, oh, we won. He defeated the dragon. Cheers. It's going to be a celebration. So come. It's an invitation to you. Come. Come, all you unfaithful. Will you come to Jesus today? To all who are weary and need rest, come. To all who mourn and long for comfort, come. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, come. To all who fail, and desire strength, come. To all who sin and need a Savior, come. To all who hunger and thirst for righteousness, come. And to whoever will come, Jesus opens wide his arms to receive you. And he will. He will. So Merry Christmas, y'all. You're off the naughty list. Cheer up. Let me say it again. Merry Christmas, y'all. You're off the naughty list, so cheer up for crying out loud. If you're trusting in Christ alone, if you're trusting in Christ alone, you're off the naughty list. As Elise Fitzpatrick says, we're all on the naughty list. But because of that little baby, we have been transferred to the nice list. No, better than that, we've been moved to the righteous, forgiven, adopted, and loved list. Rub that into your pores today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for all that you are for us, all that you've done, your perfect life, death, resurrection, ascension. You reign right now. As we read in Revelation 12, you reign with a rod of iron. We were just singing it, Lord. Christ is the Lord. Oh, what a triumphant declaration that is. What a rebellious declaration that is to leaders and kingdoms and governments of this world. Christ is the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And so we shout that declaration in a righteous rebellion to say, You reign. You are king. All these other people are pawns and puppets because you are in control. And we worship you today, our great hero who slayed the dragon, crushed the serpent in order to get us, the girl, your bride. We long to celebrate you at that great wedding celebration where even then we will say glory to God in the highest. In your name we pray, amen.